Greetings, people. Check this out. We got our first sponsor of the podcast. And ironically, the creator of the website is today's guest. So if you enjoy high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu technique with a crunch wrap supreme and a Baja Blast of drink, then TFSJujitsu.com is your place to go. With over 200-plus videos of gi and no-gi techniques, it features a bunch of different instructors and really focuses on stuff that works. From guard passes to mount escapes to takedowns, the website has been put together meticulously and with a lot of thought in mind with an emphasis on technique. This website's pretty awesome, especially since I've been locked up in the house with no jiu-jitsu. It's kind of cool to watch the videos and keep my jiu-jitsu sharp. So make sure you check them out at tfsjujitsu.com. That's T-F-S-J-I-U-J-I-T-S-U.com. Today's guest is no other than my friend Ben Tolini. Ben has been a jiu-jitsu instructor at Taikai for a while now and runs uh, the noon classes. Don't let his sandpapery outside fool you. He's a great dude and an even better instructor. His love for competition and drive to make Taikai a top team has helped give people the push they needed to get out of their comfort zone and compete. Ben is constantly looking at ways to improve his technique and pass that on to his students. Case in point, Ben would be happy to record uh, you grappling somebody in class and then give you a play-by-play of the match giving you pointers how to improve or give you different paths you can take. So it's pretty cool to have an instructor that will take that sort of time uh, for his students. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode with my dude, Ben Tolini. Should be good now. All right, so Ben, thank you for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. It's yeah, a, no problem. It's good well, to uh, see your face during. Thanks these, for having me on. Yeah, right. It's cool seeing uh, you during like these weird times. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. It's true. Plus, I like seeing this new Jesus look you have going. So that's also it's, great too. I like it's it a lot. Long hair, you know, long hair, and I just uh, unkept. I think uh, in another. This goes on for another couple months. I'm gonna have dreadlocks. Just un- I can't wait. Oh god, I look so gross. I already feel like I look terrible right now. So you, you just shave. Well, your you know head. what? You surprisingly look fantastic, considering that you have a kid at home, Stop and I'm sure it. you're getting zero hours of sleep. Stop it! Absolutely so. no sleep. Dude, we slept last night. He let us sleep for like a three and a half hour chunk. And then again in Ooh. three hours. And that's the longest time we've been able to sleep in like one extended period of time. Oh, Dude, I, Just I, so you know, it never gets better. Oh, so yes. just you have that to look forward to. It's great. See, what I, said, <laughs> I, want, I want somebody that was really going to be optimistic and really like positive. <laughs> I said, I need Ben on, on the podcast. I came to mind. I always do. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel so. Like, I'm I here to motivate and keep things happy <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot complain with like Brittany because she is such a 
she's like the one <laughs> carrying all the weight you know what i mean like she's the one doing the breastfeeding i'm i she wakes me up and goes change a diaper and i'm like oh okay yeah sure it's the least i can is do she it. recording right now is that why you're saying that no 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 but she's probably gonna listen to the episode later so <laughs> oh lost connection all right hold on we're gonna redial here There you are. Look at that much awesome. There. Kills the computer. Right. Brittany was like, yo, I hear him talking smack about me. Click, 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 click. <laughs> she unplugged the router really quickly. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> no, that's cool. Dude, it's good to see you. How, how are you doing not being able to, like, train jujitsu right now? Uh, Going nuts, man. It's really? pretty rough. Because I had hip surgery. Then I was basically able to roll for, like, three weeks. And then COVID hit. And now it's back to no rolling. It's yeah. awful. When, it's uh, awful. You had your uh, hip surgery done. How long were you out for? Uh, got it in October. So, I, man, probably like four months. Like I went, I think I went back to drilling like three months after the surgery, but like literally five or six months before I started to feel like, hey, I can start to really roll, and then bam, COVID. Yeah. So. And even those three weight weeks, well, weeks when I was coming back to like start to really roll, like, have you had a major injury, Corey, like knee or anything like that? You know, like uh, when you try to come back from an injury, you're like kind of gun shy to really push it. Yeah, that's kind of how I f- was feeling with the hip. Yeah, so. I, uh, you know what's funny is um, I think it was uh, I went snowboarding with Brittany, and it, we were still so dangerous, dude. I know, man. And I I think we were still in the stages of like we were still like just starting to date. And I wanted to impress her, so I was like, "Yeah, fuck, I'll go snowboarding." Immediately broke my my wrist on a on the bunny hill, and I remember falling like a couple times. And uh, Brittany was like, "You can't put your hands out in front of you. You're like that's it's terrible for you." And my like I'm brake falling. Yeah, my pompous, ignorant ass was like, "I do jujitsu. I know how to fall. It's not a big deal." Literally, right after I said that was when I broke my wrist. So. She knew I, you were the one after that. I see what you did there. That's smart. <laughs> it was all a part of my master plan. <laughs> and uh, no, I know what you mean, though, because it was like after that, I think I was on a cast for like eight weeks. And then when I came back, I was so afraid to punch with my, uh, yeah. with my left hand or my right hand. I can't remember. But I was so afraid to throw a punch with that. So it must have been like, was were you like really like dipping your toe to see what your hip could handle like little by little? Yes. Yeah, so when I first came back, it was one of those things. Um, I only played top position, uh, and then after a few weeks of only playing top position, I did like a 150 and under, which is basically like two of you guys at the entire gym. Yep. And then I bumped it up 10 pounds like every two weeks, essentially. Well, 150 is literally two of me together, so that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I got oh. such a fat gym. I love it. <laughs> what, um, uh, what happened to your hip? Uh, apparently, I was born with bad hips and didn't know it. Um, oh, and wow. jujitsu kind of hurried the process along of having bad yeah. hips. Right. Um, so yeah, kind of going into the whole story, uh, it was January of last year. I thought I might've developed a hernia, like the inside of my groin was hurting oh. and they, I apparently it was just referred pain. Um, but apparently I had already partially torn my labrum at that point and I I don't know. I'm an idiot. So I'm like, I got a tournament in New York city. I got to train for that. I got to get ready. Um, 
So I'll push through it. I'm not going to get it checked out because I'm going to compete regardless of what they say. So I'll find out what it is after. Yeah. Um, and then my match in that tournament, I ended up going against the guy who I believe either took third or second last year at Worlds for Masters Division. And uh, I fully tore my labrum at that point. And so I was like, oh, after I got up, I was like, I can't walk. Okay. So we go home. I go get an x-ray done thinking, all right, it's nothing. But, you know, it must be my hernia or something pop that I thought I had. And uh, we'll get an x-ray done just because it's BS and they'll send me to an MRI. Um, got the x-ray done. And they're like, uh, you have some serious issues with this. And they brought the, I was like, what do you mean I have issues with this it's an x-ray? So they bring it in. My hip is like just a mess of like my socket <laughs> is too big or my acetabulum is too big going around the head of my uh, femur. And it was just, a, it's just a mess on both of my um, hips. Just one of them was way worse than the other one. I'll need surgery on the other one eventually. Um, and then, so yeah, I went through the long process of uh, finding a doctor because the doctors here were like, hey, dude, we're going to have to do a full hip um, and you're not going to be able to train it anymore. Like, and I was like, that's not an option. Surgery? Like what is, what goes into that? I can only imagine. So they would, yeah. They, so they were going to have to, they basically, um, they were going to have to cut the top of the femur head off and they well, put like a metal, yeah, a metal ball on there. Oh. And then it, but your risk of dislocation after that um, forward is huge. So um, you run the risk of doing jujitsu of getting a dislocation. And if you get a hip dislocation, you, it's apparently like one of the most, painful things you can have happen and you have oh. to go to the hospital to get it set oh. um yeah so it was one of those things um the doctor was like listen um you're just live with this until you physically can't do anything anymore uh, and then we'll do the surgery but he's like if we do the surgery you won't be able to roll anymore i was like well this is literally my life that's not really an option yeah. um so we got a second opinion in rochester and uh brian giordano fantastic a fantastic doctor um he was like yeah we don't even have to do anything that invasive we'll scope it um we'll suture the uh, labrum and we'll um basically he shaved off my acetabulum and then rounded out my femur head so now they're smooth in there i didn't have to have any hardware put in which was fantastic cool. um and yeah so coming back after that and they'll do the same thing on the other side whenever it gets bad on the other side oh, essentially so you're just oh. basically waiting for, for the other side to get terrible yeah, well, because I have I have floating bone in there too from it grinding and breaking off. So I had floating bone on the one side that they had to take out, and then when they did the X-ray to see how good the other hip was, then they saw the floating bone on the other oh. side also. And they're like, "Well, we'll have to do that eventually." I'm like, "Okay, cool." That's they're that's like fantastic. literally every spot in your body looks <laughs> terrible. Yes, <laughs> we need yes. to reconstruct. And you know what? The, well, it's funny because it's not from jujitsu. Really? Like I, I just have like an awful body. Yes, an awful <laughs> body. So. <laughs> Not due to Taco Bell. Taco Bell is probably the only thing that's kept me alive all these years. It's, but uh, it's the, yeah, uh, just, <laughs> the Crunch Wrap Supreme through that. your veins. You know yes, what doctors the glue that say? Holds it's me together. A, a Crunch Wrap a day keeps the hips in place. Yes, hundred percent true. Hundred percent true. <laughs> so what are you doing right now? Now that you're not doing jujitsu, like how are you trying to keep yourself sane? Um, I'm just trying to get fat jacked. So yeah. I'm shooting for uh, two to three hundred push-ups a day. Um, right around 100 to 150 bicep curls a day, and then a uh, random few exercises incorporated, whether it's lunges, uh, squats, any Turkish get-ups, things like that. And then I do as many of whatever the random exercise is until failure throughout the entire day since I'm stuck homeschooling all day. Right. So, so fantastic. Do you, do you span that workout in throughout the whole day, or is it like morning, yep, yep. I have this hour chunk, I need to get it done? 
No, it's like I go until failure. I fart around helping the kids out with ever. As soon as I get another break, whether it's an hour, 10 minutes, two hours, boom, hit another set till failure. And I do as many of them as I physically can uh, throughout the day. Damn. So I'm feeling super strong. I'm sure my cardio is going to be terrible, but I do feel like if I, not only am I bigger now because of the hip surgery. So if I get on tap, I'll literally turn somebody into a pancake. But if I can get my hands around somebody, I feel like it can just break people right now so it's a good that. feeling you can turn me into a pancake i don't know if it was like pre or post surgery i don't know when the last time we rolled i feel like it's been i don't know i'm losing track of time it probably was pre-surgery i would assume but maybe not but maybe i got you post-surgery so i'm like <laughs> still smushed yeah like a pancake like you're not Feels even nice. breathing heavy and i'm like i'm, I'm kind of whimpering <laughs> I, have, I have no choice because if i were to move then i'd breathe heavy and then it's all over after that so <laughs> that's so cool that's sweet. so like uh are you adding stuff to uh your website or are you kind of like not currently so basically what happened was this so because i had been planning the website for a while um and I knew the surgery was coming up. So I filmed as much as I possibly could pre-surgery, not knowing how long it would take me to recover, et cetera. Um, so I was able to release basically a video a week up until two weeks ago. So I think between my content and me having um, uh, guest instructors on there, I think we have something like a little over 215 techniques on the website already, which is huge. But as of right now, I'm not going to be able to release anything um, until I can go back and record when this is over. So hopefully I'm, I'm hoping six weeks since I believe we're phase four. So either six to eight weeks. Um, but we'll see. So uh, I, I tried releasing some solo stuff, but honestly, I even put it out on my thing. I was like, Hey, is anybody watching any of this stuff? What was the latest thing that I released? And it was like burp, but I was like, all right, we're done with this. I wait till I come back so I can release some good con content for people. <laughs> just because I didn't, I don't think, I even think I said, what, what is the website and like the program? Like, could you explain it to people who probably don't know? Yeah, I'll give it the give the website a plug. I appreciate that. Uh, TFSJujitsu.com. Um, yes, <laughs> and uh, uh, basically, um, I take it's not a lot of fluff. Like I feel like some websites. I, I just use Tenth Planet as an example. Obviously, not all uh, instructors like everything that Tenth Planet does, but I feel like they kind of get locked into that or whatever it is. Like they feel like they get locked into having to show like certain things. Like everything on my website is what I consider highest percentage um and lowest risk which is a big thing that i preach for my guys and the whole point of the website is is so that people who compete out of taikai can get less of the bs that gets thrown at them from all the facebook algorithms and people just putting out garbage out there and they can just go to the website look up whatever position that they want and be like oh okay way easier way fatter let's stick with that it's what ben wants us doing in competition so, which by the I way, I mean, it's basically what the website is. That is your motto. Wait, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it works every time. <laughs> so, like, uh, like, what was like the reason? Was it just basically to help push the competition, or did you feel like the yes. stuff that was like, yeah, it's a... out there just wasn't up to like a, a high level? So, it's kind of like I don't know um, how many people on here are following like um, Ken's uh, talks where he talks about like old school Taikai. Um, but YouTube and things like that on the internet, only world champions were posting stuff online basically back in the day. Like you didn't have like this just massive, like there's white belts who see a cool move that their instructor shows. 
go on Instagram or whatever, and they'll put it out there like they know what they're doing. Yeah. And it ends up being just garbage because they're not. So if you're a white, blue, maybe even like a purple belt, it's kind of hard to like sift through all the BS that's out there. Um, and so, yeah, so long story short with that, I basically just wanted something for our, our competitors. So we're all on the same page when people compete. So we all use the same lingo and have the uh, essentially the same similar game. And it, we don't have to worry about people wasting valuable training time filtering through BS. Any time that we can save not wasting it on bad training or bad techniques is time that we can use on uh, good techniques and get better than our competition, essentially. Um, yeah, so. I feel like you're like, uh, I know a lot of the coaches, obviously, like any jujitsu coach there is like very encouraging of doing competitions, but like that's like really like your main your main focus with the, with the noon class. Cause you do, you do all the noon class. Is it like, is it uh, like a passion thing or do you like, I don't know, is there a big reason behind why you pushed competition so heavy with people? Uh, so yeah, like, um, I take jujitsu, uh, super serious, probably a lot more serious than I should and a lot more serious than a lot of people do. And I believe that competition is the quickest way to make people good at jujitsu and also is the closest thing that people can have to being in a, a real life situation such as with nerves and things like that now you're gonna get a lot of haters on there they'll be like oh but i would just eye gouge or whatever in the street that's sure but you probably have never felt an adrenaline dump in your life either yeah. and that's something that you can get used to in a competition um so i think it has the best real world benefits and it also has the best benefits at making people good at jujitsu quicker um, which I'm, which is a strong passion of mine. I want to put out a, a strong, I want to put out, not a strong, I want to put out the best product to be completely honest. And I think that's the easiest way to put out and the most efficient way to put out a best, the best product in jujitsu. And you guys are my product. So yeah, they're all, all products of the TFS Taco <laughs> Bell fight system. Uh, no, yes. no, it's cool. Cause I, I think that's, I, I agree with that. Cause it was like, it's interesting. The one and only jujitsu tournament I've done, which I know you're going to, say shame on me for only having one but um it's better than zero buddy yeah right. it was um i think it was even before no i think it was after i did my first tie fight but even that was like that was different like a jujitsu match when i remember <laughs> i remember slap bumping and i forgot who was coaching me i think it was bidwell was there and he was coaching me and that makes sense. i remember when i took the guy down my mouth immediately got like i immediately got cotton mouth like I was like I was like dry heating and gagging, <laughs> and I was like I didn't understand. Like, been a while. I don't know what's going on. Yes, my mouth is so dry, and I feel like. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember him saying it. It's the, the adrenaline. Yep, yep. But that didn't even that I did not have that reaction when it was the tie fight, which is kind of it's kind of interesting how it's like two different forms of that is. Pressure. Do you feel like you were better prepared for the tie fight? Is that why? I don't know. Maybe it was just that, like in the grander scheme of things, when I did the tie fight i was like training longer in that versus jujitsu like i think when i did the jujitsu tournament i was like i was a green belt so i feel like i was maybe a couple of years in still not like very confident about anything i guess maybe i had a little more yeah. confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah so i don't know do you nice. like so for the people that don't know there's like the there's many different forms of competition there's like the point scoring system and there's like a mm -hmm. sub only system with the like point system is every tournament different like how they structure the points 
depends on the tournament. Almost all of them really do try to follow IBJJF guidelines. Um, some of them will make small tweaks, like uh, Grappling Industries got rid of like advantages. And advantages can be extremely difficult to score, and that's kind of where you'll see sometimes ref bias is uh, with advantages. Um, so, yeah, they have dumbed-down versions and small changes, but almost everybody runs a similar structure in gi to IBJJF. IBJJF probably has the worst rule set for no gi, period. I don't think anybody runs a worse rule set than them for no gi. Um, it's so bad way? I won't even compete in their no gi. Because, it's, because they carried over their same exact rule set from gi to no gi. And so because of that, um, basically lower body submissions are garbage in IBJJF. So it, because of that, it has such strong favoritism towards wrestlers because you basically take down, get on top. Mm. If you're a wrestler, you don't have to worry about any footlock at that point, which is one of the strongest things that you can do against a wrestler. Um, yeah, it just it's garbage, garbage, garbage. Um, so yes, I like like sub only or different types of rule sets for uh, no gi, but I really do think IBJJF for the most part really does have the gi rule set locked down. To, to a way that I really I really like it. The, obviously, we'd all like more footlocks and things like that, uh, and nogi and reaping to be allowed, um, which is another thing I like about grappling industries. That was one thing I never but, understood was why reaping wasn't involved. Like, why can you not? In like, uh, so uh, explain what reaping is to those that like don't like don't understand the logo. Yep. So for those people who don't understand or don't train jujitsu, uh, reaping is any time that I would use um, my legs or my body to turn somebody's knee inward. So if their knee um, turned towards the uh, hip, okay, so rotation in. Um, they claim it's a safety reason, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we're either trying to put somebody unconscious or break an arm. So I don't understand why that's more safe than going for whatever reaping they they can ban heel hooks if they want if the reasoning is it's harder to get out because of that but you can still out toe holds for reaping or straight ankle locks in a reaping situation um i mean it's kind of i i really think that uh, brazilians were just so far behind the times uh way back in the day for foot locks it was just one of those things let's ban it screw the gringos done yeah, now so. whether that's true or not i don't know yeah. but i i kind of feel like that's probably a heavy portion of it because if know. you ask They'd have to. They'd need pretty strong reasoning for it. Like I'd have to see some evidence that more injuries are caused holding a reaping position than turning the knee outward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah, I just, so. it's kind of weird from a uh, like a the the fundamentals of jujitsu is like it's supposed to be like a self defense situation and prepare you for any situation. And I don't know if I totally like the idea of saying oh that 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 can't do xyz but why especially a black belt right yeah right especially black belt black belt level like why is that i feel like that should just be allowed maybe you just cut it off at that level i don't know i'm, I'm yeah yeah i don't uh, yeah no i don't know i don't know and it is one of those things like uh i think when mma and jujitsu kind of made their because they just have kind of grown apart um and i think when they just hit that point i think people who are more self-defense oriented kind of went more towards the mma side and people who like sport jiu-jitsu kind of went towards the sport side and rules evolve as time goes on and i think they've just evolved differently and that's why you kind of have some of these rules like if you watch like judo or anything like that judo is so much different now than it was 20 or 30 years ago with their different gripping rules and it's just the nature of sport essentially yeah no that's so. a good point yeah no it's it's just it's always uh, been interesting to me when it's like you get somebody 
into a certain position and they're like nope you can't do that nope you can't do that i'm like but right. this is jujitsu like you you're right. trying to choke me isn't my objective right. to like get out of this position safely like right. if that's by yep. heel hooking you then isn't that <laughs> didn't what, right am i successful in my attempt to escape you choking me <laughs> right right yeah right no i listen i am on board with that it doesn't make sense to me do, do but you it is what like it the is point system or the sub only like the submission only format um, hmm. so this, so it depends on whether you're a spectator, um, or like a jujitsu purist, I would say. Um, I, did you ever, did you watch that Shugio, um, jujitsu event that they had on YouTube where it was sub only? Uh, no, I didn't. If anything was going to do sub only, that, that would be the event to watch. So what they, the spectator portion of it, they just, um, basically have like a highlight of the match. So you didn't have to sit through like, say like a 45 minute match of just nobody quite moving or getting anything. They just yeah. boom, give you a highlight. And then if you wanted to, you had the option to watch the full match after. Um, so as a jujitsu purist, sub only kind of matters. But then we also have to remember the reason why we're doing jujitsu with rules is because we don't want to get punched in the face. So it is one of those things like, and sub only, you can get away with like it doesn't matter if the person passes, or I just wait for overtime if it's EBI, and that's where I'll get my training reps in and get really good at the overtime positions. Um, so, I think having some points makes for better jujitsu matches with more submissions, um, unless you're going to do a purely sub only match where there's unlimited time limits. And that's just not, that's not something you can do for like a regular tournament. It's like, if you have a hundred people in there, you do sub only, it's a week tournament. Yeah, it's not going like to happen. Yeah. It's like a uh, 90 minute match with, uh, yes. Uh, Remember Zach had, or Sakurava. Yeah. Zach Maneri had two back to back, like hour plus matches in the Haitian grappling tournament years back. I think he lost both of them because he tried to just wrestle them to death, mm-hmm. you know, with his wizard. The wizard. So, wizard. uh, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's wizard. So it's just one of those, I don't know. It's not good for just uh, regular Joe Schmo tournaments. I understand it, though, for uh, pro tournaments. I don't know. Um, Do, but I think point tournaments is the way to go. I like jiu-jitsu. When I sit and watch, like, a like a point match, dude, sometimes it's it's like a snooze fest. And I, like, I yeah. legitimately love jiu-jitsu. And, like, for for me to be like, hey, guys, you should check out jiu-jitsu. Look what this is yeah. all about. And then have, like, like five minutes in the match, it doesn't look like anything's exciting's happened where i feel like i think that the, the sub only kind of like pushes it and makes people kind of attempt stuff and kind of go for stuff the only way that you're going to see constant action if they treat um either style more like uh, wrestling and they have uh faster stalling calls happen um because here's you're gonna you already saw the trend in ebi right with if there's going to be an overtime rounds you just stall for the entire 10 minute round and all of your training the bulk of your training 90 percent of it is getting good at your finish and then defending the two positions um and that's your goal that's that ebi continues long enough down that route that's how every single sub only match is going to look like any good coach will have their guys train that way because it's the most effective and efficient way to use training time that being said, you go into a point match, somebody is down two points, there's a minute left in the match, they have to do whatever they have to do to try and get out of that to get those points back. And a lot of the times that means they'll have to do something dumb and expose themselves for a finish. Um, and I know at one point, I don't know if it's true anymore, but at one point there was a higher uh, finishing rate in point tournaments than there were in sub-only matches. Um, that. Now, that being said, you're going to see a bunch of boring matches in high-level black belt 
when they get their one advantage and they're like, all right, I got to do whatever I can to keep my one advantage over the person. That's just people gaming whatever the rule set is. And I don't know if there's a good way to prevent that unless you have super strict stalling calls like they do in wrestling. Like there's five seconds, no action, boom, you're getting a card or something at that point. Yeah, I so. feel like that would that would upset a lot of uh, the jujitsu people out there. Like, I feel like they'd be like, "But that's part of the game." Like, I could already hear Joe right. Rogan saying in my head, "Oh, don't yep. stand him up. He's working." You know what I mean? Like, I yes. already hear that in my head. Yep. Uh, yep. So no, that can't make like, everybody happy. <laughs> is that like the focus is to teaching your competitors like how the point system works? Whatever somebody is competing in, we game that system and we work on making sure that they're the most efficient at whatever the rule set is. The rule set is what dictates how we trade for a match. Um, not just, hey, we're going to get good at jujitsu. That's part of it, but you train for the rule set. For the rule set. I so remember, if it's you're doing gi tournaments. Right. I remember when oh, uh, continue, US, sorry. I was doing uh, like a naga or something and I was like, is it sub only, Ben? And you went, no, there's points. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck that. I don't want to do fucking points. <laughs> then I got to learn more shit about jujitsu, And I've already got so much shit in my head already. I need to make more space and allocate more shit for, <laughs> for points. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I'm yep. probably the worst yeah, but if you were... ever because I do not know any of the points at all. You could be like, how many points for a takedown? I don't know, 20? Does that make sense? I don't know. Dude, so I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would suspect... The vast majority of people at Taikai and most gyms that aren't tournament oriented just don't know what point numbers are. We don't think about how open mat goes. Nobody's like, oh, I just got the side control. I got three points. Now yeah. this person's got to get these points back or I won the, yeah. the open mat. You know what I mean? Like nobody does that. They yeah. should do that, True. but nobody does that. So nobody knows. I know there's. We have some old school black belts. I love the guys. They're nasty at jujitsu, but if you ask them what points are, they have no idea. 100% so it's, it's just one of those things. I get to black belt. One hundred percent. I'll never be able to tell. Somebody's like, "Hey, I'm getting ready for a competition. What do I need to do?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know." <laughs> Sub them, I guess. I don't know. Some, get a, get Win before finish. the time's up, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. Funny. What like did you like when you took over the noon class? Was that like the big emphasis was to build the like a a competitive team, a competition team out of Taikai? No, so that competing has always been one of my main things uh, at Taikai. So one of the the so like I said, Ken will probably be getting into some of these stories. When I joined Taikai at the time, I believe Taikai was ranked number two in North America for competition. Like Taikai. It's, it's so it's kind of so coming from that it's sometimes funny when i hear some of the newer generation and we're not that school anymore don't get me wrong but some of the guys like oh well, why don't you go train at this elite school or that elite school and this elite school i'm like well, we used to be that elite school we're still very very good just our emphasis isn't on competing as much as it used to be um so that being said i kind of have wanted to try and bring just some of that back um because it was always a big emphasis for me was competing doing mma back in the day it's so i want to make sure that we don't lose that at taikai so i kind of feel like that's kind of become like just my niche at taikai essentially is being the guy who pushes competition trying to keep people active and we got a one of the biggest schools probably in the northeast especially for a school that's not in like new york city or something like that um so we have enough people you know there's gotta be there's there's people who want to compete anyways so yeah it's kind of just 
It's like uh, yeah. you're kind of just help giving them like a platform. Plus, I got to get you to compete again. <laughs> uh, five minutes ago, I said if it was sub only, <laughs> you'd uh, pique my interest. <laughs> got, I now, got your back, baby. Now I have a perfect excuse <laughs> to say no to you is that I have a kid, so I can just say, no, sorry, I don't have time for you. <laughs> I swear I'll compete at Purple Belt. I promise. Damn it. I promise I'll compete at Purple Belt. For, before there I you will. I know. One, I want to compete at yeah. Purple Belt. I want to at least do yeah. gi and no gi. Because I, yeah. I, I haven't competed since I was a, a white belt, essentially. Told, didn't do it the whole time I was a blue belt. So, But, uh, no, going back to what you said, it was kind of interesting. When I first started uh, training at Taikai, we had, like, our whole MMA team, the whole MMA camp. We had some MMA fighters. I had your brother. Bryce was out of it. Uh, Musatelli. Mm-hmm. Ed was doing MMA fights. And then it kind of just, like, dissolved. And then it was almost like... MMA competition was our focus, and then that kind of dissolved, and then jujitsu kind of took its place. And I'm hoping one day we could have a jujitsu competition team and a Thai competition team, and get get a, get some Thai guys out there competing and doing some fights. Would love that. Would right. love that. Wouldn't that be sweet? The more that competes, the better. Yes. 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 I think. Uh, yeah, it is kind of funny how the MMA it, it did just kind of just die out. It was like. Bryce kind of had his little thing. I think Ryan Blimpy ended up moving. Yeah. And then it just kind of just petered. It was very odd because yeah, we had such a – we had Tamden, and we just had so many good MMA – like people who were made it to the big leagues. Yeah. And then just – yeah, I don't know. Dude, Tamden knocking out Brendan Ward. Knocked him out standing and then hit him four more times before Brendan hit the On floor. the way down. On the, on the way down. It was ridiculous. What? Are you kidding me? That's insane, dude. Yeah, no, yes. and like like Musatelli's accomplished like create he broke a dude's shin checking a kick. Like that's that's yeah. insane. Like we've had some really high level people, but it's kinda interesting how it's just like uh it's like this ebb and flow. Cause it you were yes. saying like uh Taikai was big in competitive like com- like competition in jujitsu, then it like it kinda like died out, then MMA took its place and then it's back to back to jujitsu. I wonder if it's just like a natural flow, mm-hmm. like if that's just that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, it could be. It could just, yeah. I have, I don't know. I don't know. So I, you know, I always forget that you had an MMA fight. I'm undefeated, baby. Undefeated, dude. I'm how an undefeated, undefeated, 100% finishing rate. Uh, I think it was either 24 25 at the time. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Dude, that is the way you market yourself. I love it. Dude, 100% finish rate. Bellator, you want me to come out of uh, retirement? Shoot me six. six Never had her fight go out of the second round. <laughs> Just untouchable. What What was it like? It's like the uh, I did a podcast with Chris Smith, and I talked to him about his first fight. What What was that like for you? Like preparing for it, first of all. Like, what did you do to, to get ready? So that was kind of a weird one, and um, did put me in a semi weird spot at Taikai. So. I've always been naturally good at grappling. Like that's just something I've always kind of just had a natural talent for. Um, but my hands were awful, have never been good, never will be good. And um, my wrestling was okay. Um, so when I got ready for that MMA fight, I actually didn't do that at Taikai. Um, I did that at um, East West, which has kind of evolved several times over in his Ultimate Athletics wow. now. Yeah, I haven't heard of um, East West in a long time. And 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were kind of that was what I needed to prepare for my MMA fight because they had Gene Mills there for wrestling, which is what I needed. And um not that their striking was great, but at the time, and I don't know if this is true or not, but at the time I did feel like their striking was just a little bit better than Taikai's. Um so I was still training at Taikai, get my groundwork over there, but for all my MMA needs and everything like that, I was getting at East West. Um so training was hard. Um it, uh, a lot of the training was done with um, uh, Mark and Tim Boda. Um, and even though I, Tim is kind of a uh, nice way to put it, I've, Tim is a good coach, good way, good at motivating. I'm not sure um, uh, how much his resume is actually truthful, though. But he was very, very good. He was very motivating for me and was exactly what I needed for that fight. Okay. Um, so training was pretty brutal. Um, at that time, um, I was training two to three times a day, lifting, running. Um, I was fighting at 55. So I bulked up to 85, um, and cut from 85 Jesus. to, uh, I made 52 actually, I even weighed in under and because nothing was legal in the state, uh, in, uh, New York. Oh dude, I was jacked. Jacked. The only time in my life I ever had a six pack. Um, <laughs> for one day and then um yeah maybe but dude i was so jacked come fight time so jacked and we'd even just so some people are uh have bodies that um geared more towards weight cutting than other people and i can cut a tremendous amount of weight and rehydrate actually fairly easy so for that fight i did same day weigh-ins um so i weighed in at something like 10 or 11 in the morning we literally drove at like four or five in the morning to Ohio because that's where the fight was. Um, and I was, I did think I was going to die though in the car on the ride over because I was so sucked. Yeah. Um, but we got there, weigh in, go to Subway because they didn't have a Taco Bell close by. I know it's blasphemy. Um, <laughs> ate some Subway, rehydrated. And uh, yeah, and then I i didn't weigh myself after, but I got to i gotta be honest, I was probably a buck 63, buck 67, somewhere in that range come uh, fight time. Um, and it was the most fun thing I've ever done in my entire life ever. Like wow. the pump that you get walking out there. Cause so the person, the, the card that I fought on, the guy that I fought, his family owned the, um, the venue and they owned the beer tent there. His dad was one of the reps. His dad was a big MMA rep, owned an MMA school and everything like that. Brandon Snyder. I don't remember what his dad's name was. And, um, so I was kind of brought in there to lose, and we didn't really know that because <laughs> this kid had already had like a couple of MMA fights. He's going to be going pro after that, so he's good. He's kind of, it was it was interesting to say the least. So, anyways, everybody there is booing you, and they're just going crazy, and it's just such an adrenaline like rush. You like you feel like a friggin' gladiator, even though you're you're not. Your life's not on the line, but that's it's such a um, such just raw emotion. And at the time, I was like yes this is what i've been trading for i love mma blah blah blah. um get in there i do my fight like i said most fun i've ever had um ended up winning with a naked choke in the second round and uh realized after that the amount of work that was required to be good at mma and at the time i kind of known you shouldn't be getting hit in the head repeatedly and if i would be able to work hard enough to actually be one of the best in it And I knew when I wasn't going to be one of the best to make that kind of money to justify brain damage that I was done. And so I I don't know if you've ever talked to Bryce about this, but I've had several talks with him. Like he's even wanted to come back and start. He wants to do like one pro fight. I'm like, bro, like what's the point? What's the point? 
kind of like I already know you're dumb. Do you want to get any dumber? <laughs> and does that justify a five hundred dollar paycheck? Yeah. Um. And so that's. I, I mean, all kidding aside, that's what I tell. Do you think you're going to be the best? And if the answer is no, I tell them not to do it for very long because you're risking a little bit too much, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so everybody gets that talk from me. Yeah. So. Dude, full transparency. I had when I went on to my second fight, it was like pretty, it was like a long time after I had my first one and I did the second one and I don't even know why I, I like, I don't know why I just was like, man, I want to do it again. I want to get like, cross it off my, my bucket list again. This is a, this one is a, uh, it's a kickboxing fight. It'll be really interesting to see. And I remember I, it was, I was supposed to fight a guy. I was 135. And when I got there, I was told that he did not make weight. And then he also didn't show up for weigh-ins. So they had another guy that we were going to catch weight that was supposed to be at like 143 or 142 or some shit. And he was humongous. Dude. With, if I remember correctly. Dude, what I didn't know though was at the weigh-ins, when I got to the weigh-ins, it was like a, in a bar and I stepped on the scale. I was 134 and a half. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I made weight. Sweet. Hell yeah. And then the guy that came on right... <laughs> After me, stepped on the scale and he went, fuck, because he missed weight. And it was this big, tall, black dude. And I swear he was he was so jacked. And I'm like, wow, I hate to be that guy fighting him. <laughs> and that was literally the guy that they gave me the replacement for. He, he weighed in. Like, at the, it, you know what's so funny? is when they, when they called me out, they, they did that guy f- they, they did that guy first. And they were like, weighing in at... Uh, 153 pounds, <laughs> six, six two, and my Brittany, my girlfriend at the time, she turned. My dad turned to her and he was like, "Oh my god, is he fighting a, a giant?" And then it was like, "Corey, five six, barely five six, and just tipping the scales at 135." And I got hit in the head three times by him, and I was like, "Why the fuck am I doing this right now?" what the fuck i'm not even getting paid for this shit yeah but but you're but like the way you described it was i remember walking out and i was so pumped i had sifu and i had mike in my corner two of like my like i love both those dudes i was so happy they're in my corner it was a great moment for me and then after when we went out and celebrated we got drinks and i went home and Brittany was like so like what are you what are you doing like is this going to be do you want to be like a fighter? Do you, do you want this to be like a professional thing for you? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I've always wanted to do like an MMA fight or, and I want to do this. I want to do that. And she's like, then, then you should do it. And I was like, but that guy hit me really hard. And I don't know if I want to do that all the time and get brain trauma. And she goes, listen, I'm coming from a place that I care about you very much. And if you're just going to do this and pepper and, salt it into your life you're just taking unnecessary damage and you're already training yeah and she's like if you're going to be a coach you can produce you could produce fighters that that'll be just as good you could live vicariously through them and then when i realized that wasn't going to be a career move for me i'm like i don't think i don't think i'm gonna do this i'm good i might do one more when i'm 40 years old and i'm on trt i like it TRT. Mike Tyson will be still around, so that'll be good. So that'll be <laughs> Crunchwrap Supremes, <laughs> TRT, and Juice yeah. to the Gills. 
tipping the scales at 160. That's going to be the entire Taikai, hopefully, entire Taikai competition team soon enough. <laughs> I mean, everybody's basically turning over 35. I can't friggin' wait. Going to get <laughs> that, a, a youth new... doctor in the gym, and we'll it, be good to go. It's like a new class, right? Like, it's the 35-year, like... What is it called? The master class or something? You have to pay. Yeah, you have to pay extra for that class. That's a special class. Yeah, that's a special. Um, we go over needles and uh, all kinds of special things, but uh, yeah, it's, it's less technical. Involved. Jesus, you know, I thought some of those noon guys were looking a little yoked lately. Is that what's going on? They're injecting like. I wish. I wish. And those. I mean, some of them have low T. They do what they got to do. You know, that's how it goes, Corey. Uh, but sure. it's funny that you were talking about that uh, weight issue with you. So my brother's first MMA fight was on the Indian res, and Ray Newkirk was involved somehow. Um, and I love Ray. Like, Ray Ray looked out for my brother when he needed it at some point. So even though Ray is Ray, he's always been good to me. He's always been nice um, to me. I'm saying that. I'm putting good energy out for Ray, yes. too. He's always been good to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I love Ray. But... Um, it was one of those things that Bryce made 55, uh, or it might have even been 45. I don't remember, but the guy was almost 15 pounds heavier. And they had a weird amateur MMA rule set at the time where if you end up getting a takedown, you weren't allowed to punch the face. So it's okay to punch to the face standing up when you can huh. generate quite a bit of power, huh. but not okay to punch to the face when you're trying to lay on somebody. Huh. Um, and Bryce is a wrestler, so that obviously didn't play into very well for his rule set. Um, so Bryce absolutely crushed this kid the first round, just destroyed him, but started tired from the repeated stand-ups and taking somebody who weighed 15 to 20 pounds more than him uh, and ended up gassing and getting uh, – I can't remember can't remember how he lost, but he ended up losing in the second round. And I remember because it was such a crappy situation because I brought Bryce there, um, and I had told him, hey, you know – they did the promoter did that thing where like well you'd already trained for this fight why yep. won't you fight you should take the fight don't be a Heard pussy and before. it's like and that's why everybody i tell now is now you you be the pussy like there's no use doing anything like this but bryce freaking so we're on the, we're in the middle of nowhere at a cigar factory on the indian res bryce loses he goes ape crazy runs off into the woods shirtless i'm like what am I supposed to be doing here? I can't go home. I need to find my crazy brother who ran off into the woods. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? So after that, I have always strongly encouraged people because I don't know if they'll go and say like Bryce did to not take fights unless this other person makes weight for them. So uh, it's probably yeah, smart, back in the good old days. If yeah, yeah, you yeah. go to step on the scale and then the promoter says, hey, man, just uh, put some keys in your wallet in your pocket so you can get a little heavier. <laughs> It's probably not yes. a good position to be in. No, no, <laughs> no. But you know what is kind of crappy about that is um, even what's considered the best promotion in the world, the UFC, um, because everything is about gaming rules, it's gotten to the point with them where it's like it's better to just not make weight, take the little hit to your purse because you have a better chance of winning, obviously, if you're bigger. This is physics. I don't care what any other person tries to bring to that argument. Yeah. Um, you have a better chance of getting the win bonus, so in the end you make more money. You still go up the rankings even though it shouldn't count. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, has she made weight for a single UFC fight? Don't think so. But she was ranked at one point and won all those matches by being a behemoth. I mean, she must be training under Gabby Garcia or something. It just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make sense. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you don't know who Gabby Garcia is, please do yourself a favor and look like Google that that she Hulk of a woman up. She is a scary person. This is not somebody I want to I want to mess with. 
She's my future second wife. I mean, that is breeding a world champion right there. Oh my God. That's that's Jeez. an amazing woman. No, but and that's like Ray Borg is the same. Is way. what it is, dude. Ray Borg is. I I love that dude as a person. Here for you. He's another one who doesn't ever make weight. Never makes weight well, for his fights. The the punishment doesn't make sense. If you're gonna move up ranking and get a win against somebody who sucked and made weight. They need they need to go the one FC route and eat and it needs to be one of those things. Fight doesn't happen. You get the entire person's purse and that counts as a loss for the other person. You'd seen a major change with people making weight. Yeah, but for sure, not I feel gonna like, happen. So I'm gonna ask you this question, but I already feel like I know the answer because of your wrestling background. Do you do you always suggest? I actually never wrestled. You never wrestled. <laughs> No, man. I'm just so naturally gifted at pulling guard (laughs) that you thought I was a wrestler. (laughs) I was going to say, do you, do you believe in anybody ever fighting at what they walk around at? Or are you somebody who believes that they, everybody should cut to the weight class below or two weight classes? Depends on the rule set. Um, if you have 24 hours, um, to rehydrate, um, you should always cut always. Always, at least one weight class. I think it's nonsensical not to at that point. Be- it, you fully recover within 24 hours. Anybody who says that they don't is doesn't know the science behind it. Um, you should cut weight. I so I if don't know the it's same day it. or right before, don't do it. So same, same day as the the scary one. Same day weigh in. Yeah, and you're cutting a lot of weight. That's that's yep. Be, I would not recommend that. I don't recommend that. And it, it, like uh, IBJJF has it for jujitsu, anyways. You weigh in basically fifteen to twenty minutes before your match. So way too. I think I think I lost you for a sec. What were you saying? What did you Uh-oh. lose the last? I think we froze. Okay. Just about um, the way that it works for uh, IBJJF is you basically weigh in 15 to 20 minutes before your match. Um, so you can't cut a lot of weight for that. Maybe one to two pounds, but it, you can't cut um, like a, basically a whole weight class like you should in MMA. And do you weigh in with your gi on and everything? If it's gi, you weigh in with your gi on. If it's no gi, they have a different weight class, slightly modified, and you weigh in without a gi. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So if uh, like if somebody wanted to up their game, like what – like to be consistent in jujitsu, how many times do you think someone should train a week? Because I've like my idea is like at least two times a week. It's like maintaining, but do you think it's more? Do you think it's three? Do you think it's five? Like, what's the point of maintaining versus getting ex- like extraordinarily better at jujitsu in a short time? Obviously, there is whatever the maximum amount of mat time would be. That is what is going to make you the best, obviously. But uh, I think. Two days a week is enough to maintain. Three days a week, depending on who you are, you might start to show improvement. Um, or at least enough improvement where like the person doing it would recognize. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then four days a week, I think, is probably the sweet spot for most people as far as like, especially like regular people who are just doing it for fun. Um that's a sweet spot for people who have time to recover, still feel like they have a life, um, but still be making good, significant enough improvement where they actually notice the progress, which will keep them motivated and keep them coming in. Um, I think that's difficult depending on who you are at three days a week. And at two days a week, you just must enjoy getting beat up and have fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's like two days a week is kind of just like, I feel like you're just kind of cruising. But some people's schedules, it's tough. 
it's tough to get to get in more sure. this week. So it's like if you can get in two, perfect. If you can get in one, fuck it, do do one a week if you can. I mean, just do do whatever you can to to get better. Some people I feel like are just cool with maintaining and not like they're not they're just in there for the long haul, which is cool. That's fine with me. Everybody, yeah, something. Everybody's uh, journey is a little different. And uh, so you. <coughs> Wait, what? Everybody's like journey is a little different. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on, wait. Uh, wait a I'm not getting it. No, uh, so you've also like had the opportunity to train with like a lot of different people between the seminars at Tai Kai and just being able to travel. Was there like one person and or like one coach that like leveled up your game or maybe like like spoke to you the best? kind of a weird uh, it's not that so i guess it would depend on um like with how the setting so like out of any seminar that i've been to i would have to say either kyle Terra or marcelo garcia but that just could have also been where i was at in jujitsu um because when they were both there i was around um blue and purple so they gave me some major moves and concepts that really kind of helped boost my game maybe had i been a white belt it would have flown over my head or an upper belt it just might not have fit into what a game i have already developed at that point um so for seminars marcelo and kyle Terra were probably the the most beneficial for me um but as far as overall most beneficial to my game even though i rag on youtube a lot bjj scout from purple on up is responsible for me making the conceptual jump uh, in jujitsu. Uh, so, just so uh, everybody knows that anybody in the noon class now, you have a very good right to say, "I learned this move on YouTube." <laughs> hey, Coach Ben, True. I just saw this on YouTube and I want to try it. So, you guys have every right to say that now. <laughs> that, I have the website now, so no, they can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. like how long? Like in total, that whole website from like planning to getting it out there how long how, like how much preparation took took you to do that well so it kind of went like semi different phases so i recorded that um half butterfly guard dvd with jim Shout and out then to half we butterfly guard dvd with ben featured yeah ben that's right best one there is out there <laughs> um uh, so I recorded that with Jim, and uh, I started selling DVDs, but because I'm an old man, I didn't realize nobody owned actual DVD players anymore. Um, so I was like, crap, I got to get this on digital. So then I worked with um, Kyle Warford, and we got it up on the uh, first website, which kind of was to like distribute just the DVD. Dude, Kyle um, Warford, one of the nicest people ever. Yeah, yeah, Kyle's a great guy, great dude, guy. One of the nicest guys ever. Sorry to derail you. I just I had to throw a compliment for Kyle because I love that guy. That, that's right. <laughs> Ups to Kyle. So anyways, um, so anyways, no, it's okay. So Kyle was busy, couldn't de- um, devote enough time to the website. Is like what it would need to basically have be like a move and technique website. So I ended up um, th- through going through a lot of people, also not knowing how friggin' expensive it is to start a website. Yeah. Um, ended up going the roundabout way and ended up working with. Tom Barnes, who I don't even think trains at Taika anymore, um, but he's a web guy, and he's the one who's responsible for the entire structure of that website. So basically, I record, put out the content, and Tom just is the one who organizes everything on there, which is fantastic. Oh, nice. Um, so 
I mean, in total, probably like a year and a half to two years if you include like the DVD and everything like that. Um, but as far as like strictly website and everything like that, probably like a solid year. Um, but that's because I was like, it wouldn't take me that long now. And if somebody I knew who was doing it, I could streamline them through a lot of things. Yeah. Um, that, and, and it's just cause I didn't, I had, I literally started from scratch with no help. Yeah. As far as that went from the website stuff. Right. I mean, so. you rag on YouTube a lot, but why not go through like a YouTube, like starting a YouTube channel and then like building it up video by video. From so there. I had it. I had a YouTube channel and everything like that. Um, it was one of those things. It was starting to um, cost me too much time um, not to get some kind of return out of it. Because um, it's one of those things. Um, every minute that I'm doing something like that is a minute that I can't spend with family or friends or doing something else, right? So it was one of those things. I have a YouTube channel that's got a decent amount of views and everything like that. And I use for years, but it wasn't monetized or anything yeah. like that. Um, and I put a lot of time into that also. So it was one of those things I, I needed to get a little bit of return. And it's also that weird thing where people don't use something if it's free, but they use it and they'll get it if, if you have to pay for it i never really bought into that until i started the website and then all of a sudden it's like oh guys are actually watching the videos now it's so weird it's so weird it went from having a majority of my class barely watching the youtube stuff that i put out there which was free to oh you have to sign up for this website huh. and now they're watching it now like i i have i understand the psychology behind it a little bit but it is one of those things that it's like i it also doesn't make sense to me but it's marketing 101 i guess i wonder if it was just because like it's the the money is it it's like uh you do a monthly subscription right Mm -hmm. so it's like if i pay every monthly it's like i better get something out of it so i better start watching it but if it's there free it's like ah i'll watch it next week man i put out a video on half and it'll watch that next week yes and it assigns a value to it and so if something's free you must not think it's that good but if you have to pay for it, and if you pay a premium for it, which I'm not doing that because I know there's some people at Taikai, especially on the competition side of things, who can't afford that kind of stuff. Um, so I keep it as, as bare bones minimum just to keep the site running as I can. Um, but you assign a value to it, and all of a sudden people are jumping on it oh, and watching it. So Interesting. Yeah, it's like uh, Sifu did like that kind of form with his Thai stuff. So I'd be interested to talk to him on, on if that's like the same thing, if he chose that route because – youtube just wasn't doing it for him or something i don't know i'd, I'd have to talk to him on that when did sifu started that like four ish months ago or like, did he have one before that he's like literally been doing it like this has been his project during quarantine so i think i think he i got gotcha. just like a month ago or so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay but yeah it's it's yep, like yep. Uh, it works it's in a similar fashion it's like you can just type everything on the side you can look and he's had a lot of the stuff recorded before i think it's like a lot of his recordings in the past that he put yeah. together and then some new stuff that he worked with Chris on. So it's kind of interesting. I, it's kind of a cool model that I think it's like having a nice subscription service and then being able to just like view it on demand. It like puts value behind it. Like you said. Yes. And it also yeah, and gets it's... you guys paid for the work that you put in for it. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing is like, I only get, not to get too much into it, but I only get paid by the class. So I'm not paid by the number of students. I'm not paid by the members or anything like yeah. that. So it's, it is one of those things. Like it would be cool if it was like part of the membership, but it's not my school. So it's like, yeah. it's one of those things that it's, it can't go that route. Um, so, right. so yeah. Sweet. So that's why it goes this way. 
Well, Ben, I, I really don't have anything else, man. I, I'm just I'm just glad that I got a chance to talk to you, and I'm, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk. You just you literally just talked about how you're like, listen, dude. Anytime I spend away from my family, I need to get paid, and now I feel immediately guilty, like I need to get off the podcast with you right now. Nah, buddy, this is you. Hopefully, making some moves eventually. That's what I want to see, dude. This is just a listen. You don't like positive, mushy, gushy shit, but this is just me putting out shit in the universe. I just. I want to talk to my, this gives me an excuse to call you and catch up with you and see how you're doing in like one of the weirdest times right now. In, like usually what I would do is I would say, Ben, do you want to meet somewhere we can have coffee and we can do a podcast? Like I, I would prefer a face to face reaction rather than through Skype, but it just gives me a reason to talk to you. Right? That's all. Like we're, like, sure, where else? Buddy. I, I did one with seafood. And I'm like, where, like I have been training with that guy for 10 plus years and I can count on my one hand how many times I've seen him outside of the gym. So it's like, it gives me a reason right. to like sit down and like talk to him. And like, same with Chris. Chris is like one of my favorite training partners. And it's like, I see, I probably see him more outside of the gym than anything. But it's like, no, it's just to be like, hour chunk, hour half chunk of the time, I get to talk to you a little bit. Listen, dude. Sure. And it is kind of like that silly meme where it's like, it's, he's my best friend. I see him every day, but I don't know his name. Right. Dude. Like, I mean, that is. Martial arts training to a T. <laughs> How many times have you done jujitsu? You high five, fist bump somebody, and they're like, "What's your name?" And then they're like, uh, "Walter." And then you immediately forget right after. <laughs> forget. Yes. Then you have to go yes. months. I mean, like you know this person's name. Like you just say, "Hey, what's up, man?" You don't. You don't remember Walter's name. You forgot about it. <laughs> but that's why you have you got to have either a system in place. You either have to have their names written on their lapel. <laughs> or you just berate everybody so much, and you're like, listen, I'm not going to know your name till Blue Bell. And then if you know it beforehand, they feel special. So it's really, you got to play the mind game on that, Corey. Dude, the Mike Rose <laughs> meme lives on. I, I'm not going to know your name unless you're a Blue Bell. That's a direct quote <laughs> from Ben <laughs> You know, it's fact. Oh, my God, dude. That's so funny. Well, shit, man. It was good seeing you, and I appreciate you doing this. Hey, no problem, Corey. Thanks for having me out, buddy. No problem, dude. Hope you're enjoying COVID. Just want to say thanks for uh, sticking through on that episode of the podcast. I know uh, there were some technical difficulties and uh, talking to somebody over Skype is not my ideal form of doing a podcast. I'd rather do it face-to-face, but still trying to get used to the uh, whole lag between conversations. But as always, I appreciate you guys for listening and thanks for uh, sticking through. Appreciate you guys.